Welcome to the Living by Faith podcast. My name is Josh DeGroat, and this is episode number 18. This is a podcast where we take a look at current news and events, theology, and history, and we do all of this from the perspective of the Christian's life of faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and get started. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the election. What else will we talk about? Election madness. Hey, it's 2020. What, what else would you expect? As of now, most media outlets have Biden as the winner um, with more than the necessary 270 electoral votes. Biden has basically given a victory speech. He's announced and he's celebrating that he is the president-elect. He's starting to set up, he's starting to give overtures of who he's going to select for his cabinet members, all of this. Um, and of course, if things hold to where they are right now, he will indeed be the 46th president of the U.S., but there are many, many, many allegations of voter fraud. Um, just how widespread is it? We don't know. Um, and if they're not just allegations, but actual cases of voter fraud, is it enough to change the outcome? We don't know that either. Um, it was curious that at about 10 or 10.30 on the night of election uh, of the election, President Trump was up in several key states. And then it seemed like the counting just stopped. I remember it just seemed like there, there was no progress in those states. And then in at least a couple of the states, while everyone everyone was sleeping, Joe Biden seemed to have taken the lead. Um, so eventually, at some point, the counting started back up, sometime between the hours of two and five or something, and, um, and Joe Biden took the lead. Uh, every valid allegation of fraud, of course, should be taken seriously and investigated, especially since this is an unprecedented election with tens of millions of mail-in ballots. Uh, a system that would easily, or I should say more easily, lend itself to some kind, some kind of fraud or miscounting, for that matter. Um, every responsible person, whether they're a Christian or not, should all agree, I think, I think this is pretty basic, that uh, every legal legitimate vote should be counted and every illegal, illegitimate vote should not be counted. Uh, I just heard today that 450,000 ballots have been discovered where only Joe Biden was voted for. Uh, in other words, or what I mean by that is none of the down ballot races were voted on at all. None of the Congress, none of the races for, for the House of Representatives or Senators, none of those were voted on at all. It was just only one vote was, only one person was filled in for, and it was Joe Biden. Now that seems fishy to me, and I, I think it should be investigated. Now, if it proves true that there was fraud or miscounting, then that also should be remedied. There should be a recount or recounts in several states or several counties and states wherever the fraud is or, or miscounting has been found. And I'd also say if it's determined that, um, th that there is fraud and it's discovered who helped facilitate the fraud, there should be prosecution. Someone or some people should go to jail. Um, we hear about elec elections in Russia all the time where President Vladimir Putin wins an election again, and everyone knows it's a rigged election. And we, of course, we don't want that here, do we? So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. And we should wait and see. We should all wait and see. Both sides should wait and see. Joe Biden, if he wants to, re, uh, to unite this country, as he said he does, should do everything possible to remove any cloud of suspicion. And if he doesn't, then it, it begs the question, does he really want to unite the country uh, or does he just want power and to push forward an agenda? 
The last four years have been incredibly divisive. Everyone knows that. President Trump has done his part. He's been a divisive, abrasive, taunting, brawling president. But the Democrats and the left-wing media have added to the divide by constantly casting a shadow of suspicion and doubt as to whether Trump was a legitimate president by politicizing everything, including a pandemic, uh, by endless investigations and so forth into uh, President Trump on all on, on a lot of different things. Of course, the Russia allegations, allegations of collusion with Russia being at the top of the list. With how divided our nation is, the last thing we need is for one side or the other to push us over the edge. Now, from a big picture perspective, what is at stake in this election? If Joe Biden is certified in December and inaugurated on January 20th, 2021, what should we look forward to? Well, I suppose I should just tell you right up front that I voted for Donald Trump. I should make that clear right now. And I did so not because I thought, I think highly of him as a man, because I don't. I voted for him because he did some things I didn't think he would actually would would do. Last time in 2016, when he ran for president, he made all these promises, a lot of promises that I, quite frankly, I just didn't believe him. Um, And he actually did a lot of the things he had promised to do. I also voted for him because I see this election as as a, a battle of worldviews. And uh, one, in my view, is a very, very anti-Christian worldview. That's the, the one that's being put forward by the, the, the platform of, of the Democrats. And I could go through that. I have in previous podcasts, and I may more in the future. But uh, very anti-Christian worldview on the left, and at least a um, stated worldview that is, that is pro-Christian, pro-religious liberty on the right that Donald Trump is running on. Another way to look at what was at stake in this election is Donald Trump, in my view, stands for more of a limited government, whereas um, Joe Biden, I believe, will expand the scope and power of government and consequently limit freedom, uh, limit freedoms that are afforded to us. When the government gets bigger, um, freedoms are diminished. When the government is limited to certain important things, like protecting the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or life, liberty, and property, freedoms are enlarged. Of course, this requires self-governance. That's a whole other conversation I won't get into right now. I believe under a Joe Biden administration, and let me just put in parenthesis here, I think it's likely that before long it will be a Kamala Harris administration. I don't think Joe Biden will probably last a full uh, term. But I think under a Biden administration, our freedoms are going to be diminished significantly, especially if the radical left keeps pushing Biden to the left. And it should be noted that Kamala Harris is a far left politician. A nonpartisan group called the GovTrack has rated Kamala Harris as the most liberal senator, which means even more liberal than Bernie Sanders, which is I mean, Bernie Sanders is an avowed socialist. So she's very, very liberal or left-leaning, way out there. Most importantly for Christians, uh, when we talk about the kind of freedoms that are going to be diminished, the, th- the ones we care about are free- things like freedom of speech and freedom, the free exercise of religion, which is the most important freedom of all. Something I want to talk about in the next episode that Christians really need to be thinking about is what is called the Equality Act and the challenges that this 
if, if this act were 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 legislation that passed both the House and the Senate and was signed into law, the challenges it would present for Christians, Christian businesses, Christian education institutions, churches, and even Christian parenting is enormous. It's a massive government overreach, and it could be coming very soon. Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Limited government is a Christian idea from the lips of Jesus himself. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but don't give to Caesar what doesn't belong to him. Give to God what belongs to God. Governments really do have a legitimate claim on the citizens they govern. We are to give to Caesar certain things, taxes, submission to a, to a point, and so forth. But it's also God's intent that the government serves its citizens. Um, in fact, in Romans 13, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul says. He calls the governing authorities God's deacons or servants. And specifically, they are God's servants to punish evil and to reward good according to God's standards. But, and here's the all-important point, or an all-important point, human governments, unless checked, unless there's checks and balances, unless there are checks in place, will always turn totalitarian. They will always turn authoritarian. They will always demand more allegiance, more compliance, and more control. Totalitarian governments can can make these demands at the end of a a gun barrel, They can do it in the name of protecting you and taking care of you. They can do this in the language of therapy. Um, And they can do it in the form of being a giant nanny. And you've heard of the nanny state. In any case, the citizens in in an authoritarian sort of governmental regime, the citizens are slaves. And therefore, unlimited government, government that intrudes into all areas of life, demanding allegiance, more and more allegiance from its citizens, is an evil monster. And precisely, it is an evil monster precisely because it demands total allegiance. It demands worship. So as we head into a potential Joe Biden administration, we need to do a few things, right? We need to seek the Lord that he would have mercy on us. Why do I say that? Well, I agree with John Calvin, who once said long ago, he said, when, the, when, when God wants to judge a people, he gives them evil rulers. So we need to seek God's mercy. We need, to, we, need to, we need to humbly come before God and seek his mercy. But then we also must humbly seek the Lord for his strength that we may give appropriate submission to the governing authorities, even ones we don't agree with, while at the same time that seeking courage to refuse to give what doesn't belong to the government. Um, we need courage to continue to say what Christians have always said. We need courage to continue to confess and live what Christians have always confessed and lived, and that is, Jesus is Lord. The next section is the catechesis section. Um, For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of catechizing. Uh, This usually took the form of questions and answers with scripture in order to learn the the basic doctrines of the Christian faith or the the, the orthodox historical doctrines of the Christian faith. I think this practice is sorely missing in our day. I think there's a a biblical illiteracy and doctrinal ignorance that is rampant in the church. And I think uh, 
uh, revamping this, this historical tradition of catechizing would go a long way in helping to um, make a strong, doctrinally clear uh, Christians whose lives are being built on solid truth. So what I'm doing is I'm go- making my way through a more modern catechism called the New City Catechism. It takes from old ancient uh, creeds and confessions and catechisms and puts it in more modern language with scripture. There's 52 questions and answers, a scripture for each one. So we're in episode 18, so we're in question and answer number 18 as well. Here's question 18. The question is, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? The answer is this, no. Every sin is sin against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God and against his righteous law. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. Because God is the sovereign ruler, our our disobedience is against him and is also treasonous against him. And because God is holy, our disobedience and idolatry is an assault on his holiness, on his holy character. And because God is good, our idolatry and disobedience is evil against him and his goodness. And therefore, he must judge disobedience and idolatry. And this is so important for us to understand. God is not mocked. He is holy, righteous, good, sovereign and he's a judge. And every good judge, every righteous and good judge must punish evil, must punish treason, must punish unrighteousness and uh, lawbreakers. And so God will punish in this life and in the life to come uh, all sin and rebellion and idolatry against him. The biblical text for question and answer 18 is out of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, and it says this, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The words that stand out to me are, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you. God is righteous and just and holy. We need the blood of Christ to cover our sins. But then through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to live a new life. We're called to no longer live in the passions of the flesh, in the desires of the flesh, but we're now called to follow after the things of the Spirit in obedience to God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in obedience to his law, with the help of the Holy Spirit. In the history section, I want to talk about one of the most important Christian books ever written. And it's not just important in the Christian world, but in all the English-speaking world. And, and actually beyond the, the English-speaking world, since it's now been translated into, two, I think, over 200 languages. What book am I talking about? I'm talking about The Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan. Let me tell you just a little bit about Bunyan and how this book came into being. 360 years ago this week, 360 years ago this week, John Bunyan was arrested. Bunyan was a nonconformist preacher in England. And since a preacher could be licensed only if they were if they conformed to the Church of England, Bunyan was an unlicensed preacher and therefore he was arrested. 
He actually was arrested on numerous occasions, and it was during one of the, his extended times in prison that John Bunyan wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And the rest is history. The Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory told from the perspective of someone who's dreaming about a man named Christian and his salvation and journey to the eternal heavenly city. The book is beautifully written, and it gives such a clear and powerful picture of the Christian life as the life of a pilgrim. Now, a pilgrim is someone who's on a sacred journey. Maybe you've heard of Muslims taking a pilgrimage to Mecca or Jews taking a pilgrimage to Jerusalem or something like that. A pilgrim is someone on a sacred journey, someone who isn't at his desired haven yet. He's on his way there. So the story, the story starts with a Christian realizing that his hometown is doomed for destruction. And so he sets out with a heavy burden on his back to find deliverance and his eventual destination, the celestial city. Along the way, Christian meets with many dangers, troubles, disappointments, battles, and all throughout the help and grace he needs to overcome them all. It reminds me of, of the song Amazing Grace, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Um, and that's, that's the story of, of Pilgrim's Progress, through many dangers, toils, and snares, but the grace and help is right there to help a Christian overcome every trouble, danger, uh, battle, and disappointment. It's an amazing, amazing book. The Pilgrim's Progress has had an enormous influence since it was published in 1678. In fact, until recently, and, and maybe still, I, I, I couldn't find a, a conclusive, um, conclusively on this, but at least until recently, and I think maybe still, no other book has sold, sold more copies in the English-speaking world or in English than The Pilgrim's Progress, except for the Bible. So it goes Bible and then The Pilgrim's Progress, at least until recently that, that's been the case, and I think it still is. It's frequently mentioned as one of the best novels ever written, even by secular media sources. One of the great scenes of the book is where Christian is freed from the heavy burden on his back, which is his sin and guilt. Listen to these words. Listen, listen to these words. This is powerful. It says the following. At the top of the hill stood a cross, and a little below at the bottom was a stone tomb. In my dream, just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosened from his shoulders and fell off his back. It tumbled and continued to do so down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell inside and was seen no more. John Bunyan had such a clear and glorious understanding of the weight of sin and its guilt and the need for Christ and the sufficiency of Christ as Savior, a Savior who saves to the uttermost. Listen to those words again. The burden tumbled down the hill. It came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell inside and was seen no more. Think of the millions of people over the last 342 years since the book was published who have been exposed to the gospel and a robust understanding of the Christian life through the Pilgrim's Progress. Some of these people for the first time, I've, I have no doubt that many, many scores of people were saved reading this book, being exposed to the, to the gospel message in this book. We should thank God for John Bunyan. We should thank God that John Bunyan was a nonconformist, right? <laughs> that he was an unlicensed preacher because it was in God's providence that this unlicensed preacher was preaching and was arrested and thrown into prison 
And it was as he was sitting in prison that he wrote this amazing book. Um, If you haven't read it, go and get it. Read it and read it again. It's an investment, I promise you. It's an investment of time and money that will pay you back a hundredfold. The Pilgrim's Progress, one of the greatest Christian books ever written. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please subscribe, like, and share. And until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.